Hotcakes. Welcome to Hot Take, the podcast where we talk about the climate crisis and all the ways that we're talking and not talking about it. I'm Amy Westervelt. And 90s r and I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm Amy Westervelt. And I'm Marianne Eitzek. <laughs> We're taking a break. This is our season four. Is this season four? four. Oh, I think it might be season three. Whatever this season, season is, yeah. this is this finale. Um, <laughs> and yeah. we um, yeah. will be coming back to you later in the summer with more episodes. The newsletter will keep up, but we're the podcast is taking a little break for a minute. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you know, everyone needs a break. Everyone does, uh, and definitely we do, because, y'all, this is not even a part-time job. Yes, <laughs> true. That so, is true. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be taking a break, but we thought it would be good to come together one more time, just me and Amy, to talk about some good news and some bad news. That's right. Yeah. There's quite a bit of both right now (laughs) Um, and we're not used to one of those things um so we're gonna be talking (laughs) we're gonna be talking about the good news with the oil industries uh taking major l's lately and then we're gonna talk about what's gonna happen over the summer with hurricanes and wildfires and pipelines oh my so yeah without further ado it is time it's time to talk about climate So I would have been off Twitter and like mm-hmm. kind of under a rock for the past few weeks. But even I heard about the amazing <laughs> news um, yep. for for the planet and terrible, awful news for the oil industry last week. Yeah. I, as I understand it, three of my faves got their asses handed to them. They did. That would be Chevron, they did. Chevron Exxon, and Shell. Mm-hmm. So... Why don't we start? Can I pick my favorite first for you to tell me? Yes. But first, first, I have to say that this all came on the heels of a report from the IEA, the International Energy Agency, famously started by Henry Kissinger, famous fan of fossil <laughs> fuels, uh, that said, actually, no more new fossil fuel projects ever. Again, mm-hmm. period. End of story. Yeah. <laughs> Which like yeah. totally, totally flipped the industry out first. And then yeah. they had a very a very bad week, which was great to watch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and IEA, just in case you didn't catch that real subtle reference to Henry Kissinger, mm-hmm. they're pretty conservative. Yep. Um, these are not like some activist type of NGO type of place. Like That's right. API quotes these folks all the time, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. should let you know where they generally fall. So if they're out here saying no more fossil fuel infrastructure, <gasps> that is a really, really big deal. They're out here giving us something to quote to the API when we're trolling them. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> Note to self. Uh, <laughs> Um, yes. But yeah, so so three of the big guys really took it. Let's go mm-hmm. with the richest one. Okay. And the one that you did a whole series on on Drill, mm-hmm. Chevron. Chevron. Okay. So Chevron had a bit of a, a shareholder uprising. They um, There's a, a group called Follow This, and they put forth a shareholder proposition that passed that said mm-hmm. that Chevron needs to actually consider 
the use of its products when it's calculating mm. its emissions. This is a thing yes. that none of the oil companies do. So when they talk mm-hmm. about net zero, tell them to blow it out their asses because right. what does that mean when yeah. you're not like taking you know into account how your product is used? Right. So basically, they sell you the gas at their little gas station to take the most easy, the easiest example. Yeah. They sell you gas and they take assume no responsibility for the emissions that come when you burn that gas right. when you drive away. Right. right. So like they have they think they have plausible deniability mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. sense that like, well, I sold you the gas. I don't know what you did with it. You could have put it back in the ground for all I know. You could be using it as a, you know, a joint treatment. Who knows? That's how petroleum no was used in the early days. People thought it was like a cure-all for things. Anyway. How'd that work out for them? Yes. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> they, it's called scope three emissions. It's like, you know, how your product gets used. And okay, yes, we're not expecting them to, like, track the specific use of every gallon of gas. But mm-hmm. they can make some friggin' assumptions. <laughs> you know? It's, Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, this shareholder activist group um, put forth a proposal at Chevron's shareholder meeting saying we want Chevron to actually look at its scope three emissions. So the, the emissions created by the burning of its product and it passed. So that's mm-hmm. huge. I mean, shareholder mm-hmm. resolutions are like a thing that's been around for a long time, you know, basically a nonprofit will get enough money together to, you know, buy some shares so they can show up at the shareholder meetings and they can put forth proposals and things like that. And it it hasn't tended to amount to that much, but it's been building for a long time. You know, they've been these mm-hmm. kinds of proposals have been getting defeated by smaller and smaller margins. And then just all of a sudden, it seems like the scales are tipping yeah. a bit. Um, so, yeah. That yeah. was big. And did this surprise you? Because you've been following these these folks for a long time. It did surprise me, especially Chevron. Um, I mean, they are used to having people show up to their shareholder meetings and yell at them. Amazon Watch goes every year to talk about mm-hmm. Ecuador. And that was another thing that came up actually this, this time was um, their shareholders were actually like kind of chastising them for continuing mm-hmm. to go after Stephen Donziger and basically Mm, like mm -hmm. handling the whole situation in such a way that it continues to be like a story in the media. (laughs) You know, say just a little (laughs) bit more for folks who don't know who Stephen Donziger is and who should listen to Drilled. Yes, we um, told this story in season five of Drilled. It's uh, there's a, a case in Ecuador that's been going on for more than 30 years now. It started out as a Texaco case and Chevron inherited it when they acquired. Texaco, um, Texaco dumped a bunch of oil in the Amazon in Ecuador, <laughs> ruined water, all of that stuff. And Stephen Donziger is an American attorney who was one of the attorneys that helped a group of Ecuadorians um, actually win a settlement from Chevron. And Chevron was supposed to pay them over $9 billion to remediate this problem in the Amazon. And even before that ruling came down, but I think it was sort of the writing was on the on the wall. Uh, Chevron sued the plaintiff, saying that the whole case was like a shakedown and that they were all frauds and all of that kind of stuff. 
<laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, and then, and I mean, that was all in like 2013, 2014, and they actually won that case. There, there was a whole bunch of crazy stuff that happened. But for some reason, they started going after this one lawyer, Stephen Donziger, again in like 2018, 2019. And they wanted him to hand over a bunch of his files. He said no. The judge held him in contempt for saying no. He tried to appeal that, and the judge charged him with criminal contempt. Um, And he uh, got put on house arrest. Actually, the the U.S. attorney refused to prosecute him, but the judge appointed a private law firm to prosecute him that just so happens to have ties to Chevron. So it's this like very gross, yeah. like dirty thing. And and they they've kind of now jumped the shark on it. Like I think if they had just mm-hmm. left well enough alone after the like 2014, 2015 stuff, they probably would have been okay. Mm-hmm. But they've gone after Donziger so hard now that I think yeah. it's had the opposite effect where it's like it's just made them seem crazy and it's made him seem like what he's always tried to portray himself as, which is like just a human yeah. rights activist and, you know, someone who has been targeted by the company and all of these things. So, um, right. They did, they did not, the most uh, is what yeah, you're saying. They did. <laughs> they did the most. They really did the most. Yeah. It's just like, calm down, guys. Like they got him disbarred. I mean, yeah. they just went fucking ape shit on this guy. And they've gotten like they basically like own the deed to his house now as collateral for like oh legal fees. They got him disbarred, so he can't work as a lawyer anymore. Um, he's been on house arrest for more than six hundred days for a quote unquote crime that only comes with a six month jail sentence. I mean, it's just you like talk about a quarantine. It is Shit. crazy. It's crazy. So I think that yeah, the shareholders were kind of like. Why are you doing this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like this doesn't make you look good. And it seems like a waste of money and time. And right. You know. And also, don't you have an oil spill to clean up? Yeah, like, exactly. 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 They also had another oil spill out in Richmond not that That's long true. ago. That's true. Oh, like, yeah, they get did. Get your priorities mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. guys. Yep. Yep. They sure did. Right. And it's just like. If they just make it the trolls write themselves, right? It's like at this point, you trolled yourself. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. So anyway, um, it looks like the shareholder business was not contained to Chevron, though. Um, And my other my other oil bay uh, Exxon, which has me blocked on Twitter. What what happened with them? Oh, my God. Exxon had some shareholder action happening, too. So there's um, a kind of activist investor group called Engine Number One. And they made some headlines, you know, a little bit ago because they bought uh, $50 million worth of shares in Exxon. Uh, They're basically a hedge fund. And they very publicly said, you know, we're doing this because we really think that Exxon should be making tackling climate change part of its business model and all of this stuff. Um, And they had said they were going to run four different people for board seats and Exxon's are sort of like rolled their eyes at them. Uh, but mm-hmm. <laughs> they won two seats on Exxon's board. So yep. that's a big deal because the the Exxon CEO, Darren Woods, um, 
like sort of confidently said that this was not going to happen. Um, so it kind of it made mm-hmm. him look like a chump. And then also they're not done counting all of the votes. So it's possible that they might end up with three of the 12 Exxon board seats. And that's like a pretty big deal. I mean, shareholder resolutions are one thing. Board seats and like, you know, being Wait, able to. Wait, what is to... the difference between those two things? Well, the, the board just has like a lot more sway over how the company is run. So um, there are certain things that the board has to unanimously agree on, which is going to be very hard if like, you know, it's something like let's continue new fossil fuel projects. And these two guys are like, nope. Um, So anyway, I mean, I think, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I do want to just like have like, you know, this caveat that like, I don't think that we are going to be saved by hedge fund managers. Um, Yeah. You know, I, I look at like the whole investor kind of community with with an eyebrow raised in general. Right. So, you know, um, but I think the fact that um, I mean, I would rather have people who say they want to do something about climate on Exxon's board than not. That seems right. good, you know. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. It's, it's just like we're not going to have capitalism save capitalism. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my little petty heart is just like having a ball right now. Oh, I know. I'm very the petty in me is enjoying every second of this. Yeah. And my favorite headline about it um, comes from AM New York. And it says, the little engine that could and the oil giant that couldn't. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. So funny. I mean, it's delicious. It is delicious. It's so, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wish that I wasn't blocked by Exxon so that I could just like taunt them about Troll it. Troll them to the hell bit, and back. But- Yes. You know, whatever, whatever. spend an average of 90% of their time indoors, which is bad news because according to the EPA, indoor air could be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. In some cases, it could be a hundred times more polluted. Data shows that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths around the world. I have a strange little problem in my neck of the woods, and that is that everybody likes to burn their garden trash and other trash, too. Lots of trash burning going on in my neighborhood. Not great. Air Doctor has really, really helped. I just fire it up on days when I can tell everybody's lighting their trash fires, and it keeps the household air clean. Air Doctor is the air purifier that has captured the attention of established media outlets like CNN, Money, ABC, and more. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code DRILLED to get up to 39% off or up to $300 off, depending on the model. 
lock this special offer in by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code DROLD. This holiday season, get a gift for yourself too and keep it simple. I gave myself the gift of a better, more convenient laundry experience. I know, I know, laundry doesn't sound like a gift, but honestly, EarthBreeze just makes it so much easier. Think about how you actually do laundry. You have to work out how much detergent to pour, lift that big plastic jug, hope the goo doesn't get everywhere. It's annoying. But EarthBreeze Eco Sheets look like nothing I've ever seen in the detergent aisle. It's almost, it's like a dryer sheet kind of, but it's the detergent and you throw it in and then that's it. There's no measuring, no nothing. It works in hot and cold. It's also dermatologist tested, hypoallergenic and free of bleach and dyes. And it fights everyday stains and odors. You get a powerful clean, but you don't have to deal with all that packaging. Right now, my listeners can get started with Earth Breeze and save 40%, 40-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%-40%
these guys can't keep doing what they're doing. Um, so, you know, it's it's a big deal. And I love that the judge um, in this case really sort of basically like um, took a page from your green trolling book, Mary, and like gave a little like bitch what's yours uh, to <laughs> Shell in her ruling because she, you know, she was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, you still have to reduce your emissions. Like even if because Shell, you know, Shell kind of tried to be like, well, the government's not requiring us to do this or that, you know, and the judge was like, yeah, so what? Like, you know, <laughs> you're responsible for your emissions. So yeah. she wrote... Companies have an independent responsibility aside from what states do. Even if states do nothing or only a little, companies have the responsibility to respect human rights, which I love. I love that she basically, like, turned the individual responsibility thing on an oil company. <laughs> it's so, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For for folks who are not yes. intimately aware of my Twitter history, um, my very first green troll was against BP uh, when they tweeted something about how to calculate your personal carbon footprint. And my after trying and failing several times to report the tweet to Twitter as abusive and harmful, <laughs> <laughs> because that was how I was expressing my pettiness in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't get the report to go through, so I responded, bitch, what's yours? And it has become my one of my most famous tweets. That is so <laughs> funny. It's so funny. Yeah. But hearing this about Shell, I'm reminded of two things. One in being that they, um, I remember back in December, a bunch of their top executives walked off the job mm-hmm. um, because right. Shell's climate commitments were not strong enough. Um, and Shell's whole thing was like, no, we're doing enough on climate. We're just not communicating about it, which meant we're oh not greenwashing God. enough. You know who said that um, yeah. back in the day, too, was a fucking Apple. Remember when Apple got, like, last place in green pieces, like, green no. technology report? This was, like, 15 years ago. Apple was, like, last place, and everybody was like, oh, boo, Apple. And Steve Jobs was still there at the time. And, and they said that exact thing. They were like... Actually, we're really good on this stuff. We just don't talk about it. And it was like, okay, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Sure you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, I feel like there's a lot more of these sorts of cases coming up. And I'm also reminded of the one that uh, was set to go before the Supreme Court back in um, January against Shell. Mm-hmm. And there was all this talk about Amy Coney Barron and how her parent, her yes. father. Uh, yeah. Do you know used anything to work for lately Shell. about what's... Yeah. Yeah. That, lately there about was, that? There, yes. There was actually a ruling in that case. It's very obscure, though. So it's like um, it's one of the climate liability cases. It was brought by Baltimore against all the oil majors. Um, and and basically what these cases say, there's like 22 or something of them now. But these... it's a liability case. So they're basically saying, look, sea level rise and flooding is going to cost us this much money and it's like this much more money than it would have cost us because you guys delayed climate action for so long. So you should have to pay, you know, your fair share of this because otherwise who pays Mm -hmm. citizens (laughs) like residents pay via taxes. So the Mm -hmm. city of Baltimore is like, you know, 
pay up. All of these suits are like kind of are taking a similar tack where they want companies to pay into a fund that then gets used to pay for like seawalls and things like that. And then mm-hmm. um, in the Baltimore case, the oil companies basically like appealed to um, multiple circuit courts saying that the case shouldn't be in state court, that it should be in federal court. That got knocked back. But then they also kind of appealed with a laundry list of things, including like things that are um, items that like, you know, the district court has to consider as part of their appeal. So even though the district court basically said, like, no, it's staying in state court, the case should go forward, it's done, because the oil companies had included a couple of like specific line items in their appeal, um, It the Supreme Court had to take their um, jurisdictional appeal. And but it's like this very it's this very wonky thing where it's like the, all the Supreme Court can say is, yes, the district court should look at every single item on this list instead of like the two things that they looked at. And that's what has mm-hmm. ended up happening. Amy Coney Barrett did not recuse herself from that. She absolutely should have. Her dad was an executive at Shell during the time that is like highlighted in this case when Shell mm. and all the other oil companies were very active in suppressing and spinning climate change information. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's ridiculous that she and 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 I'm concerned that if she didn't recuse herself in a case where it's like the Supreme Court, you know, really like the main impact that their ruling has had is that it delays discovery for that much longer, which means like there won't be new documents coming out as a result of that case anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. it does nothing like it doesn't stop the case from going forward. It will eventually go forward in state court. It just sort of like delays it. And it's this very, very tiny like procedural ruling. If she won't even recuse herself on that, which is kind of a nothing burger, She's definitely not going to accuse herself for, like, much bigger cases. So, yeah. 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 That's a bummer. Yeah. It's it's interesting, too, because, like, also the Supreme Court was one of the few places where we got some climate wins during the Trump, especially those last few days of the Trump era. That's right. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. And what were you saying about the, the fraud cases? Yeah. So there's been this is sort of like the new batch of cases. The The very first one was filed in Massachusetts quite a while ago, and it's still moving forward. But in the last year, there's been three new ones filed in Minnesota, Washington, D.C., and the city of New York, um, all mm-hmm. basically using either state or local consumer protection laws to say that the oil companies greenwashing and in a lot of these cases they're including the API and like Coke Industries too. So like the Coke oh. brothers. It's very interesting. And I think like maybe has more potential to win because you don't have to prove damage the way that you do. Mm-hmm. Like with the liability cases, it's like you have to prove that specifically like this climate change caused that damage, you know, um, which Mm -hmm. is is hard to do. But in these cases, it's like you misled consumers, you knowingly lied. And that's pretty easy to prove because we have all this like internal documentation of what they knew. And and then we have all this like public documentation of what they were saying publicly when they knew what they knew, you know. So 
Yeah. yeah. It'll be really interesting. I think the first one to go to trial will be Massachusetts, and they have only named Exxon as a defendant. Um, when so. do you expect that to go to trial? This year, actually. It should be like later this year. Um, okay. So yeah. I'll be ordering a lot of popcorn. It's going to be um. real interesting. And then the Minnesota one, you know, they were supposed to announce that case the day that George Floyd was murdered. And they postponed. I know. They postponed announcing it because Keith Ellison was like, I really want to make a big climate justice point with this case and with the announcement of it. And I don't want people to think that I'm just like, you know, like attaching it to the Black Lives Matter movement yeah. or to these things yeah. that happen, right? So he he yeah. put it off for like a month and then they announced it. And like, it, I mean, it was the first of any of these cases that I've ever seen where he mentioned climate justice in like the first paragraph of the complaint. The whole press conference was about how this crime impacted people of color and low-income people first and hardest. Winona mm-hmm. LaDuke, like, talked about line three at it. Like, it was just, it was really, I was like, oh, wow, this is great. Like, this is what happens yeah. when you have, like, a progressive person of color as your attorney general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. It's just like, I am astounded by how far we have come in the Yes. Like just the general understanding of climate change, the way we talk about climate change, like Mm -hmm. it has changed so much and is so much for the better. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember actually not that long ago, maybe four or five years ago, Keith Ellison was considered too radical to be the DNC chair. Do you remember this? It was him and Tom Perez. Mm -hmm. And people were like, no way. Keith Ellison is way too radical. Yeah. Now he's the attorney general of Minnesota. And, you know, yeah, he's leading like all these really incredible reforms and lawsuits and everything else. And it's like, you know, it's true. It matters who's in them. But it also like I'm just thinking about like the way that general people understand climate change and like Mm -hmm. the way that we are just like unapologetically talking about it as as an injustice Mm -hmm. um, and talking about like I I saw an article um, a few weeks ago that was kind of like. It's turning out that the way we talk about climate change is increasingly important to the way that we solve it. Yes, and I saw I that. And like, you were like, how about it's always been important and we just sucked <laughs> at it for a really long time. Yeah. Right? Like people were just like, ooh, it's just words. Like actually words yep. lead to things. Words lead to political will. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We've just come a long way and it's kind of like I think that you and I see it from a different vantage point because we do we've done this podcast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> since 2019 and we're like we've really been watching the climate conversation change. Um, yeah, Big from time. then on, and and we haven't even been doing this that long, but we see just so much monumental change. That's true. It, it actually like it's really I think it's important to to like sort of pause and recognize that and take these wins when we get them yeah. to you know and and just yeah like acknowledge that. Um, it has changed quickly, you know, like I mm-hmm. we've we've talked about this before, but I vividly remember the backlash to some of the language around the Green New Deal when it was first proposed mm-hmm. and, and like so much of like, why are you like muddying the waters on climate mm-hmm. with all this social mm-hmm. justice stuff? And like that just seems yeah. silly now, you know, like I just, it, you know, not that there aren't still people who would make that argument, but it's just like. Just way less of a sort of accepted talking point. And, like, I see so many, yeah. I don't know, just even in, like, mainstream 
publications, I see so many stories that are like, you know, yeah, this is connected to that, is connected to this, and it's all a justice mm-hmm. issue. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the yeah, yeah the conversation just went into such huge um, growing pains so yeah. fast, right? Mm-hmm. Like it once upon a time, you would never talk about it as an emotional issue. You would never, never talk about it as a mm-hmm. as a justice issue. You would never talk about like root causes. You would it was right. science and just science mm-hmm. and science for science sake, and that was it. And that made it very complicated. It made it very like it felt like it was over people's head. Is it's very easy to confuse people. Mm-hmm. When you need like an advanced degree to understand something, and when people get confused, they give up. Yeah. Um, and so now it's just like I remember the first time I wrote an article. Um, my first article on climate justice that got any sort of attention was like about climate change not being the first existential threat, meaning people have had to fight for their lives before mm-hmm. and all of mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got trolled to hell and back. People told me that I was trying to exploit the climate cause for Black Lives Matter. Yes, for, like, that was all of such the, like, a common talking point. It was like, oh, yeah. you're trying to use climate to talk you're about to racial justice. <laughs> like, okay. Right. Sure. Yeah. And... And then I, the next year, I wrote something that was even more uh, <laughs> sassy. That was basically yeah. saying, if you don't accept the that colonialism is a root cause of climate change, you're a climate denier. Mm-hmm. I got n- like little to no pushback at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's crazy how much we matured in a year. Mm-hmm. And like people always say, like, oh, it's too late to solve climate change, or like we're t- we're in too deep, or whatever. But we have seen just so much change so fast. Uh, that is what actually gives me a little bit of hope. And I'm mm-hmm. not somebody who runs on hope. I run on spite. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. <laughs> when I have hope, it's because I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, this changed on a dime. Yeah. Who knows what else could change on another dime? Little pat on the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Chevron and Exxon had a reckoning by their shareholders. And Shell got called to the Hague, which just beautiful. No notes. Um, What do you think is in the future for BP? So actually, BP had something of a a shareholder kerfuffle the last week or so, too. Um, There was a this actually the same group that brought forth the Chevron uh, shareholder proposal uh, brought forth a proposal to BP, and the board opposed this proposal, which was to to take faster climate action. But BlackRock, which owns a 6.8% stake in BP, that's pretty large, uh, said, yeah, we agree. <laughs> and, like, people were just like, wait, what? Because, I mean, BlackRock has been making more and more, you know, announcements about how it wants to see climate action and it doesn't want to invest in fossil fuels and all of that kind of stuff. But the fact that they would back an activist group is like a pretty big deal, especially a big slap in the face after BP's been out there, you know, talking a real big game about all of its climate <laughs> plans. Right. So, yes, that is That's pretty, interesting pretty interesting. Because... Yeah. I associate BlackRock with the Iraq War. I know. They're terrible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like <laughs> not about to buy a BlackRock t-shirt anytime soon. But um yeah. But that's again like that's what makes it surprising is that it's like, okay, well, BlackRock, like, they care about money, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and... I thought that they were a literal rock of coal. Yes. 
Yes. They have pretty much behaved like one for like most of their existence. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But yeah, did a piece of coal write this article? Yes. They put out an announcement about it and they said that they supported this resolution because they see it as a, quote, means to reiterate our expectation that BP progressively refine its greenhouse gas emissions reduction targets. And then Mm. BP declined to comment. But they did. I mean, like the day after this happened, they announced a massive acquisition of solar farms all across the U.S. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't know if the two are related, but it was interesting timing. Probably. It was pretty interesting timing. Um, yeah. 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 It's so interesting. Like we were saying earlier, it's like all of these, um, all of these shareholders tried out their their bunkers during the COVID days mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and realized like, oh shit, this isn't going to protect me. I still have to live on this planet. Right. It's like a bunch of rich dudes woke up one day and were right. like, oh shit, we live here. They were like, oh, bunker living actually kind of sucks. So maybe we should yeah. try to do something here. And like, yeah. doesn't seem like this whole Mars thing is working out. Yes. We might have to stay here. So we might need this bitch to be livable. That's right. I really, I do. I think that they all have all sort of realized that that there will not be an escape for them. Um, oh, like, we thought there was going to be like a whole backup planet. Yeah, no, no, guys, no. Yeah. <sighs> it does kind of seem that way, though, right? And also it's like, yeah. you know, there's all these geoengineering experiments, but like none of them. Any like, like I, the one nice thing I will say about billionaires <laughs> That, like they know how to evaluate <laughs> options, okay? And like, right, they can they, hedge like a motherfucker. That's right. And they're looking around and they're like, "Hmm, carbon storage." Like been working on it for decades, still nowhere near. Uh, geoengineering. Now they're like, like the the ones the farthest along is solar geoengineering, which like most experts are saying could cause as many like new problems as it potentially would solve. And then yeah, oh bunker life not great. Uh, Mars, not going to be anywhere near habitable anytime soon. So they're like, well, shit, I guess we're back to plan A, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, here we go. So this is the good news. I mean, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not excellent. It's just like the most binding part of it is the... The shareholder agreements, which is like kind of sad that we had to get to mm-hmm. this point to get this. And also it's a capitalist solution to a capitalist problem. So I don't trust it. Right. So. That's right. Yes. I don't trust it either. But I'm like, well, I'd rather see this than, you know, BlackRock being like, yeah, we still think natural gas is great. <laughs> you know, so. no, it's definitely an improvement. And if nothing else, it makes for like just beautiful green trolls so there's that yes it really really does. right which it does which i will not be participating in because i'm taking an indefinite break from twitter um you've been taking some time off of it too um yes yeah let's talk about that it's very nice yeah. i think we both were just like ugh, like it's just it is a lot mm-hmm. to feel like every opinion you have is going to be evaluated by you know thousands of people mm-hmm. i like routinely i i've seen like some of the shitty things people say to you the one i get often is that 
um, I sh- that well, like the usual, like you should just go die if you're worried oh, about gosh. emissions. Um, but then also like that I should have never had kids. I get I have like a, a very dedicated band of trolls who love to like tweet that at me. Um. <laughs> I just like I cannot imagine ever fixing my mouth or my fingers to say that to somebody. I just couldn't do it. Like a complete stranger. Just, yeah, like who has the time? Yeah. I know. I can't. Like I'm like what? Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, and then also I think it was affecting like even how I was processing information. Mm-hmm. You know, where I was like getting too into, you know, the Twitter lens on on things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just was like. Uh, yeah, break. And like losing focus. I mean, it's so hard. I think it like definitely messes with with your attention span if you're on there too much. Definitely. Um, Definitely. I think so for me, I don't I don't see the mean things people say to me because my mute game is strong. Um, And Twitter has Twitter kind of learns what you don't want to read. So it'll start muting things preemptively Mm -hmm. for you. Um, Mm -hmm. for me, it was just like always feeling like you had to like the constant rush to comment on something and like the dog piling that happens on Twitter. Like I'm all for bullying big companies because they, they deserve it. Um, and it's, that's not a human being, (laughs) you know, like I think there's something like, even though it hasn't happened to me, just seeing it happen to so many other people where like they get just like dogpiled on in the biggest arena known to man. And everybody feels Mm -hmm. like they have to dunk on that one viral tweet and like make someone feel small and like that sort of shit. Just like, I hate seeing it. Um, Right. And like, right. It's, it's so it, it can become such a place for negativity sometimes it also was just like not being yes. good on my attention span either um and like no, i know there's people know. listening to this being like i never used twitter you guys were never should have been there in the first place but like here's the thing about twitter is that it is where the discourse is shaped it really is you might not think that yes. your everyday life is shaped by it but believe me it is um and if you're there's so many media yeah. people on there that like find um, they find leads and they find story ideas on there. Right. And, and it's where you like can change the conversation. The climate conversation was yeah. changed largely on Twitter as most conversations are changed. Like the conversation around right. prison abolition was largely normalized on, on Twitter. So it's a very important and influential mm-hmm. space. And like, I'll be back on it. I'm just sort of, we're just sort of talking about like the stresses of being a public figure and like, once you get to a certain point and like, look, we're not talking about being celebrities over here. It's just like being visible and having like <laughs> no. we, we do have a platform. So there's that. Um, but like yeah. you get to a certain point and it's like you have to have the right opinions on things. And that's right. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and what is considered the right opinion changes really frequently right. too. So it's just this very like, oh God, you know. Um so yeah. 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 I mean it's it's weird. It's but you know, I they're part like part of me misses being on there sometimes because it is a really good source of news. Right. And also without it, I don't know that um, we would know each other. That's true. Right. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yes, so that is very in true. In so many ways, it's a great space. I've learned a lot on Twitter. I have 
you know, met a lot of really interesting people, a lot of people who have become my friends, obviously. Um, and so, yes. and also it's where I get to bully uh, oil companies. Hello. <laughs> Right, right. So that's, I'm not going to sit here and act like I, I, I hate Twitter, but it's also like just the way that we often talk to each other on Twitter, I think, could just like use a reset a lot of the time. And just... I agree. Also, I agree. People forget that they're like humans behind there. I think your rule of, of like, um, it's okay to bully companies, but not humans is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> And yeah. I mean, I think that, like, I've not always been, like, super proud of even my own behavior on Twitter. Like, there are some tweets I wish I could take Same. back. Um, there are some, like, Twitter arguments I wish I hadn't gotten involved in. Um, and, but, you know, we're all living, we're all learning, and, you know, yeah, the way you behave it one day does not have to be the way you behave forever. So I'm just saying all That's of that right. to say that, like, just going to be taking an indefinite break to try to get my attention span back, you know, finish a book. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. Same. I like really found myself struggling to finish some uh, projects and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, I have just been, you know, needing, need, just needing a like attention reset, mm -hmm. I think too. Oh, cause I feel like it gets like, it totally sucks you into, um, it sucks you into this sort of like competitive mindset too, especially if you're in media, it's like everyone's always sort of like performing in a way. And it's just like, I just don't want to think about myself that much mm -hmm. in general, period. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 So yes. we'll be taking, I'm going to be indefinitely off Twitter. Amy's going to be intermittently off Twitter. Um, we're going mm. to be taking a break from the podcast for a little while. We'll be back later in the summer. Um, the newsletter will still be up, um, but we're probably going to be taking some intermittent breaks from that too, just because, you know, we do a lot of stuff other than hot take and we're tired. Um, that's right. I need to go focus on some stuff. What's going on with the bad news? Oh, my God. There is quite a bit of bad news. You knew it was coming. Um, I mean, for a start, it's now fire and hurricane season, <laughs> right? Is it is it officially hurricane season yet? I'm pretty bad about that. Uh, yeah. Today is the first day of hurricane season. It is officially fire season as well. We've already had, like, a lot of... Um, red what they call red flag warnings which is when it's like super hot and the wind is picked up and you know oh, things like that um there yeah so basically when when everyone was just sort of at home there was a huge reduction in like the sort of human related risk factors which the interesting thing is like there were still quite a few fires um i i distinctly remember the western half of the country being literally in flames yeah totally it was like there were still a ton of fires even without all of the people doing all of the dumb the shit that they like do to start fires usually so i'm very concerned that this year with every because everyone is like you know people who have gotten vaccinated are like i'm finally free but a lot of people like want to travel but are still a little bit hesitant about planes right so there's it's like road trip central over here for the summer <laughs> so i'm 
I'm worried about how that's going to interact with fire season. We're talking about last year when Oregon, Washington, and California were all legit on fire. But yeah, but it's still, it's like, okay, that happened during a season when people were were doing like 80% less than they usually do. And people are the thing that starts most fires. So I'm like, okay, we had that last year. I'm very concerned about what we're going to have this year when everyone is on the road. People are camping. Like the number one thing people want to do this summer is camp because they're like, well, if they have kids, it's still safe because it's outside and whatever else. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. It's like all the biggest risk behaviors are going to be the things that people are doing this summer. Um, yeah, seriously. So I'm concerned. And then hurricane season, I feel like barely just, it yeah. seems like it just ended. Now it's back. It's kind of like year round. Like hurricane That's like season fire season. Kind of now like wildfire too. season. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the whole year anymore. It doesn't end. Um, but yeah, they they considered starting it officially in May, um, which is wow. just like wild. And last year we got deep into the Greek alphabet. Mm-hmm. I think we discovered new Greek alphabets we didn't even know were in there. Um, so very concerned about that. The Gulf Coast in particular got it really hard. I feel like the Atlantic Coast didn't get it as bad last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, I I I'm deeply worried about it. Um especially also considering the the toll that these hurricanes take on the global south in yeah. places like um Latin America where, you know, the infrastructure is still really reeling from last year's hurricane season, mm-hmm. from even hurricanes that happened in the 1990s, people are still recovering from it. it mm-hmm. It's so concerning because there's so much about like uh, climate action that gets impacted by natural disasters too. So like Puerto Rico is a great example. In the wake of Hurricane Maria, they were like, let's transition to distributed solar. That would make it so that if there's another big hurricane like this, like everybody has, you know, it's like, okay, you might, it might take you a minute to get your solar panels on your roof working again, but it's, you're not going to be out electricity for months while like we figure out how to fix the coming up on right? It felt like that lasted a year. Yeah, that was one. Of the, that was the longest blackout in American history. Yes, it was and, crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then, but then it's like because of the hurricane and because the country was like so decimated and whatever, the natural gas industry was able to come in and be like, no, no, no. What you guys really want is natural gas and get them like totally set up with natural gas infrastructure that they're now going to be stuck with for the next however long, you know? So it's like, I just, it's like, it's not, it's this whole domino effect that is really shitty. Right. And Puerto Rico's economy was already just like, you know, on on the brink. That's right. <laughs> when Maria happened. And so, yeah, it's it's why, again, why these why this is an everything story. Right. Because like Katrina at, at New Orleans is still reeling from Katrina. And that yeah. was some 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's right. I mean, it is. It's like I think people kind of forget about that. But it's like, yeah, that's still even I mean, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous anyway. So that's no good. And then the other bad news is that like I think there's kind of what seems to me to be like a little bit of a rush to build 
as many pipelines as possible and drill as much as possible while they're still able to do those seems things. Seems like a rush. It seems like a rush. So you have you, you, mm. all of these. Can't, can't be sure. Yeah, it's definitely a rush. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a rush. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, where it's just like, okay, you know, they're like dividing up the last few untapped reserves. And then, um, you know, just there's all of the stuff around line three, uh, the the Weymouth compressor in Massachusetts, too. There's just all of these things where it's like they're building pipelines that don't even have customers. You know what I mean? That's the thing that t- that's like blows my mind. It's, it's like the people at the other end of like the line three pipeline there. It's not like there's like just tens of thousands of people waiting to get their energy from the gas flowing through that pipeline. You know. Um, yeah. So anyway, I suspect that we'll see quite a bit of of pipeline protests this summer, which I, I guess is good and bad. Yeah. I'm glad to see the protests, but it sucks that they have to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, nerve wracking because of the critical infrastructure laws. Which That's right. I know you know a great deal about. Can That's you explain right. Explain them real quick. Well, uh, they are basically ways to increase the criminal penalties associated with protesting around anything that's designated as critical infrastructure, which includes pipelines, railroads, all kinds, bridges, um, waterways, Mm -hmm. all kinds of things. Um, And Minnesota currently has like four different proposed laws. So if any one of those goes through, then some of these folks that are protesting, you know, could be could be, you know, up for long prison sentences or very hefty fines. The these laws also include organizations. So like Honor the Earth, for example, which has been helping to organize a lot of the protests around line three could potentially be liable for hefty penalties around pipeline protests if these laws go through. So yeah, it's very bad. Very, very bad. I mean, that was what kicked it off was like the mm-hmm. um, the Standing Rock protests. And that's been mm-hmm. documented. There's a bunch of like, you know, um, tape and video of oil executives and legislators being like, well, you know, we don't want another Standing Rock happening. So yeah. Um, Actually, it was the the API's little brother, the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers, that um, drafted that sample legislation and pushed it to all of the states that they could. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's yeah. so interesting how like if you want the government to overreact to something and just like bring draconian measures to it, include indigenous people. It is insane. like have it be indigenous led. They go fucking. Nuts. They really go fucking ballistic. It is nuts. It is really nuts. Right? Yeah. I I, I feel like like you I've just really seen that recently. Um and th- these mm-hmm. critical infrastructure laws are a great example um in part because there's you know this like this sense that um I don't know that like indigenous people are not going to back down and with Standing Rock I mean there was really a sense that that really kind of galvanized the climate movement um AOC has said that that like Standing Rock is what really like got her behind uh climate action which like led to you know the green new deal <laughs> so mm-hmm. so um yeah but it is it's yeah. this like 
it is this weird like mix of you know entitlement and fear and white supremacy and like they go fucking ballistic um yeah it's like the um i i remember noticing this first when i learned in college about the um the Wounded Knee Siege of 1973. Mm-hmm, you heard about this? Mm-hmm. By yes. the American Indian Movement, also known as AIM. And, like, yep. it's not even that many indigenous people taken up, you know, mm-hmm. taken up a post at Wounded Knee. It's not even that many people. Yeah. The American government goes fucking nuts. We're talking tanks. We're talking helicopters. They went fucking crazy yeah. in the way that they reacted to this. Yes. And it's like, damn. Yes. Guilty conscious? It's really wild. It is really, really wild. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like you saw it again at Standing Rock. You saw it again at Standing Rock. Yeah. It was like this crazy, violent overreaction. And now all these laws. Um, it's just wild. It is wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. There's still a lot more fights left to fight. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know. Good to celebrate the wins when they come. Um, I think that, yeah. you know, that was, it was, it was actually like kind of nice to see so many climate people being like, oh my God, there's good news. Oh, actually, and I forgot one, mm-hmm. which is that the Australian courts um, said that the youth in this, in a, uh, like one of the youth climate suits that was filed there, like do have a case and can proceed with suing the government. Um, to try to require them to protect their right to a healthy environment. So that's mm-hmm. interesting, too. Those cases, like a lot of these cases that are coming, that are being filed under the, like within the framing of human rights are really interesting because I do right. feel like that is directly tied to a shift in, in the climate conversation from sure. being like a, you know, technology thing to being a human thing. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, all right. Well, I will say that um, the we had good news and we had bad news. I don't think the pipelines necessarily, well, the pipelines themselves are always bad news, but the mobilization against them, I'm going to file that under good news and take that with me. Into yes, the absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. That is good news. Yes. All right. Awesome. Well, that's it for this time and you know we'll be back we'll see you when we see you hotcakes i'm just kidding yeah i mean in the meantime keep fucking that chicken keep fucking that chicken